Welcome to the Spawn Chunks, episode number 234 for Monday, February 27th, 2023. It's my dad's birthday. He doesn't listen, but happy <laughs> birthday, dad. I saw him yesterday. It's all good. Uh, my name is Joel Duggan and joining me as always is my friend Johnny, but the internet knows him better as Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir. Hello and happy birthday to Papa Duggan, I guess. Um, yeah, if you uh, you want to hear about what we've been watching lately, uh, it's usually what we end up talking about over on The Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast, which you can get at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks. Joel has been diving into the world of YouTube React series via the Blind Wave channel, and we talk a little bit about stuff we've been watching on Disney Plus and some other streaming services, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and a few other bits and pieces. We're probably going to circle back around to the Marvel discussion as I talk about Marvel Snap in the post-show version of The Render Distance. Once again, patreon.com slash the spawn chunks is the place to get it. Uh, obviously, our patrons are responsible for supporting the show, and they're able to unlock rewards and different bits and pieces that we add on to our monthly offerings for the show. The monthly Minecraft Hangout was this past Saturday, February 25th. Uh, that should be available for patrons on the Patreon page and the Patreon RSS feed around the time this show goes up. It's a little late uploaded. The weekend kind of got away from me, but uh, hopefully we should have that up for you around the same time as the show today. So you've been back now for a full week. Uh, feet on the ground in the UK. What have you been up to in Minecraft, my friend? Well, feet on the ground and uh, teeth acting up a little bit. <laughs> so I didn't really feel like playing too much Minecraft this week because I, I had to, uh, a trip to the dentist, a sort of more urgent one, and then just felt like relaxing and not doing anything that felt like work. So I've only just gotten back into playing a bit of Minecraft again. And actually, the, the Empire stream I was going to do this weekend was derailed by the fact that my favorite Minecraft bingo minigame, which is uh, Fetcher by Noin Einser, um, was released for Minecraft 1.19. The previous version had been in 1.16.5, so back in the Nether update, before any changes to terrain, you're still getting ore blocks from mining iron instead of getting raw iron items. It feels like a lifetime ago <laughs> at this point. Um, but now it's been updated in beta form. There's still a bit of balancing and stuff that needs to be done for the items that you're getting for the bingo cards. Um, but that's like in a beta version, out for 119.3. So basically the most up-to-date version of Minecraft. And it's really fun. <laughs> Having played a lot of 116.5 bingo, it's almost refreshing to tackle it with all of the new world generation, some new items to find. And I streamed it on Sunday um, for a couple of hours and, and had a great time. For people who haven't seen this kind of format before, you effectively generate a bingo card of 25 different items from a fixed list. So it's not going to ask you to go and get any random item or block or whatever in the game. Like, it's going to be a set list of stuff. You can't go to the nether or the end, so everything you're trying to find is going to be in the overworld. But it might still ask you to find magma blocks, so you've got to look for those in an underwater cave or around a ruined nether portal. That'd be the only place you could get them in the overworld. Uh, you can find blocks like that. You Some of the stuff you have to craft or you have to get lucky finding it in loot chests for structures. Some of the most recent additions are actually really difficult. Like, for example, a goat horn shows up on a bingo card and you think, right, I'm either going to have to stand around waiting for a goat to ram me for what seems like forever when you're trying to get it to happen deliberately, or you have to go looking for a pillager outpost and hope that you find a goat horn in the loot chest there. So there's, there's a lot of different strategy to how you find the items and effectively you can play it on a multiplayer server if you want to install it there or you can play it solo and just try and get your best time and so my personal best time for completing a bingo card right now is 53 minutes and 18 seconds i encourage anybody who wants to try it to beat that we'll have a link to it in the show notes and uh me and bruno dan ui are uh you know uruguayan correspondent <laughs> over in uh, over in south america has we we've kind of developed a friendly rivalry around playing bingo and uh, yeah, we're having a great time with the new version of it. Is that something that you can do on a server with someone and have a different card? Like each one of you get a different card and you're actually racing against one another on the same server? You end up with the same bingo card. So you generate the same thing and uh, it's who can find those 24 items, uh, 25 items first. Okay. Um, but yeah, I guess that you, makes it more fair, yeah. Yeah, you can join different teams and it will actually, if you're playing in teams, it will split up the icons on the bingo card 
into different colored quadrants so if you're oh, on the cool. blue team then it will fill in one corner of those against like the red team the green team and the yellow team and so you can kind of see the progress everybody is making on your bingo card as everyone else is and it'll pop up like advancements in the chat as well but it's right. a uh, a really neat competitive game mode if you get a bunch of people together to play it seems like a cool test of like minecraft knowledge exploration i'm assuming you're playing in survival so you've got to yes. you know if you're playing for 50 something minutes you've got to survive the night you've got to you know have enough food you've got to have you know protection so you're not dying constantly slowing you down as you're mm -hmm. trying to get to certain things especially if you're popping over to pillager outposts or if you need to go near like a, a guardian like a um, an ocean, ocean monument, monument. That, yeah that yeah kind of thing yeah and um, uh, if you end up going near an ocean monument, but a bucket of milk is on your bingo card, you think, oh, okay, like I can just go and grab a bucket of milk from the nearest cow and dispel this mining fatigue. But the once you create an item, once you craft an item or pick it up, the bingo card actually removes it from your inventory the first time you do that. Oh, right. uh, so, so if you've just crafted a bucket of milk and just like milked a cow, then the bucket suddenly disappears and then you have to go and get another one and so that the, like, there's a lot of strategy involved in in figuring it all out but there's a lot of reacting to stuff on the fly depending where different biomes are what resources you're going to encounter along the way it feels like the kind of speed run that i'd enjoy doing instead of just you know hoping i get lucky and find a really quick path to the ender dragon this feels yeah. a lot more like it's using the knowledge base that i i love about minecraft the breadth of the game is really represented in that yeah, that sounds like a, a more fun to to race in Minecraft is to like test your knowledge, race against other players, especially if we've got teams, because then you can like you could be on, you know, a discord chat with someone like Bruno, you know, I mean, if you weren't rivals, you could work together, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and and and, you know, divide and conquer. Like if you if you see, you know, a, a desert temple off in the distance and, and he sees, you know, um, a village, then you can just like go separate directions and if you know that the things that you want are likely in those locations then you can do that faster by splitting your yourself up and yeah. then talk to one another and figure oh i've got this so if you're looking for this thing don't don't look for it anymore because i've got it that you can thing. specialize like that yeah like yeah. It, i, I mm -hmm. can do all of the exploring while he stays in one place and does all of the crafting or, and, yeah. and tries to mm -hmm. waits for chickens to hatch eggs and that kind of stuff like yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's all kinds of of different strategy for the team game as well but uh, even just playing it single player and just trying to get a personal best time has, has been a lot of fun so uh after the whole thing only got updated basically this weekend i'm looking forward to a couple more streams of that seeing if i can get faster and faster at this that's a nice break from big projects too, like empires. Uh, you know, I've I've been watching some people play Skyblock on YouTube. Just not. I don't think I have the time, um, but I definitely have been itching for Minecraft content that's not just more let's play. You know, like I mm -hmm. I do my own and I watch a lot and I like them, but then I've also been kind of thirsting for like modded or or um, like Skyblock or like stuff that just has a different mechanic. Uh, I think Gemini Tay was the one that I was watching about Skyblock and it's like hardcore Skyblock. So like, you know, white knuckle <laughs> sort of bridging mm -hmm. over the void in, in situations like that. And that I, I thought was um, was interesting that, you know, when you reach that kind of um, state in your long term Minecraft world or, you know, big projects like you guys run on, on Empires, like you have an escape like Minecraft Bingo or we've seen other modes too, um, speed runs. Uh, there's a speed run that um, that cub fan does that's not ender dragon related it's like collect all the minerals like all the yeah, different yeah, types yeah. of ore in a certain time frame i'm pretty sure he has a world record on that if i'm not mm -hmm. mistaken there's lots of different ways you can just tweak minecraft to play little mini games and stuff like that even in just vanilla survival without too much additional stuff on top of it and command blocks and everything else but uh yeah the bingo stuff is all the data pack and it, it's it's remarkable how streamlined it ends up getting but uh, definitely a, a fun way to test your gameplay knowledge if you feel like playing it. So I've been super busy on the Citadel this week. I've been streaming almost every day for the last few weeks um, just because I wanted to push more content. And I also have just been bitten by I can see the light at the end of the tunnel uh, on West Hill. It's still a long way away. Don't get me wrong. There's some big things that need to be done. But uh, it's really fun to log into a stream and go through the checklist in my little in my little book in Minecraft. And at very seldom am I breaching over into two streams for one project. It's usually one stream and then one thing is done. Mm -hmm. And that's a that's a fun thing when I'm so used to six weeks on a big mansion or you know four weeks on a on a big house build or something like that. And so lately uh, I've been focusing on the North Road 
and the West Hill River Bridge, which was one of the first things that I built in Minecraft, the or not in Minecraft in in West Hill, the um the village that was on this location was one of those villages that was like split by the Minecraft River. Thing. Like mm -hmm. they built the put the village down first, and then the landscape said, "Well, <laughs> this road isn't going to exist," and put a river down the middle of it. And so I built the bridge over that location and thought like, okay, that's kind of a good indicator as to where I could put a bridge and I'll build the rest of the town around this kind of thing. But the bridge has been there forever and it's been done in for, as far as the form goes, but it needed a lot more detail and texture work, you know, adding the cracked bricks and the moss stuff and all that. So I did all that over the last uh, week or two. Uh, and it, it was just really, really fun to put that, you know, at a state where it's finished. And I didn't fall victim to like redoing anything. I just find that I have so much more in my repertoire of like detailing, like signs and trapdoors and little tricks I can do to get like a, a, a spiral staircase to be in a very tight spot and still look very cool where I didn't have that before. So these towers are actually empty and they had a big square in the middle that just kind of had sunlight going straight down to the center of the tower. And you went up by climbing up a ladder on the, the side, which you still do. But I wanted something more structural inside to make them feel like they were supported. And so when you get halfway up, um, there was some weird Minecraft mechanics where you have to stop climbing a ladder and start climbing, climbing trapdoors mm -hmm. in order for the details of the walls outside on the build to not change their position in the same way that walls will attach to trapdoors when they have the full block facing. So... I added these little catwalks at the top, little spiral staircases, which one changes a long, boring ladder climb into something a little bit more interesting and adds a lot more interest to the top of the towers, which I mean, when you're flying around taking screenshots, you can see them, but you can also see it from some of the higher points in the the, the town. So mm -hmm. it was really fun to kind of add those details in. Uh, and then, of course, that led to I have to do some riverscaping. It's not my most favorite part of Minecraft. I love landscaping, but riverscaping, there's just something about the swimming and underwater mechanics that I find really tedious. Uh, yeah. It's very rewarding. It looks good when it's done, but I find about an hour of being underwater doing rocks and bone meal and bushes and trimming things and floating when I'm not supposed to be floating and swimming when I'm not supposed to be swimming. I'm just like, all right, an hour and I'm done. Um, but at least the river within the walls of the city has now been all kind of decorated and in, in, in the way that it doesn't look like it's been forgotten about. And it was a cool exercise in what's the least I could do to make this look good, knowing that I'm not going to be looking at this from underwater. I'm going to be walking by this. Like I don't need this to be a Picasso. <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. I, yeah. I need this to be, I need this to look like I haven't just left a dirt patch down there, but I need it to, you know, to not be something that takes me forever. But, you know, given that I got that section done in about an hour, I feel like it won't take too, too long to do the other sections of the river that are close to the town. Cause the river, the Westall river mainly is one that snakes through all kinds of major vistas. Like it goes under bridges. It goes by the docks. It goes by the Westgate. It goes under the main bridge. It goes by the the um, carpenter mill like there's all kinds of things that goes by so it had to look good um so that was a fun thing to, to check off um and then uh last but not least I, I worked on the west hill gate so i've i've kind of left the north uh road i've, I've finished all the the north road details little things like wheelbarrows and stuff like that and i had a challenge at the, the my last stream of the weekend the west hill gate the west gate is built on an angle including the arch so even the opening where that you walk through, it's like a two by one, six wide uh, opening. And so it's nearly impossible to put a portcullis in there because the portcullis in Minecraft, you'd have to make it straight. And it, it, would, it would look crooked if it was in an angled build. So Joel wasn't thinking future <laughs> when, he, when he built this two years ago. He's like, oh man, now I have to figure out how to put a gate on this. But I think I managed to pull it off. I've got this gate that's on a 45 degree angle i've been using blocks that i didn't have when i built it like deep slate uh walls uh as an axe not an axle uh, as like a a hinge like a great big mm -hmm. you know hinge for uh for the gate i've managed to use a couple of mini blocks for like they look like um hinge pins uh and 
overall with like blast furnaces on the bottom and um, smokers across the top and, and giving it a little bit of an arch, I feel like it looks like it could swing shut. And it had to look really beefy because there, there's no drawbridge, there's no portcullis. It's just this one big door that kind of shuts the West Gate if they ever have to. And um, I, th I think it came out pretty well. It, it really gives you something to look at when you're in the west side of town and you're going out towards the gate. It breaks up all the gray that's on, on the gate. There's uh, still a lot more work to do in the west. I only just started the west side of the city, the detailing with like, we've got to do the gate. There's some interiors. There's all the road texture is not done. But um, by and large, you know, things like the road texture, adding little touches like putting droppers underneath your portcullis to make sure that they look like they sink in. There's a bunch of stuff like that that has just been a lot of fun to like check off. And now when I'm walking around the place as I'm like going to get more shulkers or I'm looking for something for reference, I, I'm not seeing anything that's catching my eye that's like, oh, that's not done yet. Or I need to fill that space. Or, oh, crap. I completely forgot about that. Like everything seems to be filled in right now. And I'm looking forward to having that that feeling of like everything inside the walls is basically done and I can just kind of move on and, and look at like countryside things where it's going to be a good point to leave West Hill, change my palette, change my brain for a little bit, go work on a sci-fi build or a modern city or go kill the dragon a couple times, like whatever does I want to do to shake the sillies out. Uh, and then I can always come back to the medieval zone and do another farm or help someone with their project. But it's, it's feeling really good to be leaning into the the finish line i mean again it's not soon soon but it's i can see the light at the end of the tunnel dude i love the gate with the smokers <laughs> that's thank you that's such a neat design i think it's a really great way of managing to get the detail into this is a big stone thing that's reinforced with wood without the problem of not having to not being able to put signs on a like 90 degree angle from each other in the same yes. box space which is yeah. I, I know a frustration that a lot of builders end up having myself included so i think it's really cool having the the texture of the smoker look like okay there's wood kind of wrapping around this and maybe like bolted in or riveted into the side and you've got buttons and other bits and pieces in there for some detail that sticks out but it being part of the smoker texture along with the the gradient from the wood up into the andesite you're using that really is effective that's another another trick i'm probably going to have to steal from you at some hey stage, man that's, I, i'm that's happy to, happy to send those tricks out there because uh, very often i feel like i'm borrowing from so many other players that have come before me you know in the grand scheme i'm you know late to minecraft um but uh, i appreciate that it, it was one of those things where like we tried a bunch of different things and i just knew that i wanted to use more of the profession blocks in these detailed situations and the smokers just happened to go um really well not only with the 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 door itself but also the the upper level of the gate is all dark oak and spruce and there's kind of spruce colors in the smoker like the frame of the smoker kind of has those spruce colors in it and it really ended up working out well um my favorite thing about the position of the gate because i i like you i have i get really frustrated when i have to do those angled builds that are 45 degrees perfect because mm -hmm you don't have enough of a flat face to do, like you said, to put signs on it or do do enough detail work that you can really add some depth to it. Um, but it does look like it could swing shut. And when you're walking in from the, the front, I don't have a screenshot of this, but it doesn't block your view. Like yeah. it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't cover like, cause when you have a meter thick door in a five meter wide opening, like that's 20% of your door just closed right like mm -hmm. it just feels kind of narrow already and then you've got hinges on both sides like i tried a couple of different positions and it just looked like it made the opening so so narrow but um by by having it open on the side there it covers up a bunch of things that were going to be challenging to make detail and uh it ended up working out very well and it was one of those things where i didn't know what i was doing i had about a half an hour left in the stream let's just go try something and it just one of those moments were like well this worked out the the years of experience in this town have kind of culminated in like i've got a repertoire where i can kind of put things together but uh, i appreciate the kind words that's that's awesome yeah i like looking at the the river detail as well like you've done a really solid job especially for something that you say you didn't want to spend too much time on and it's making me wish that i had more water around my base on empires because i'm in a savannah there's not a great deal of water around i built an aqueduct that doesn't really lead to or from anything yet and so i'm thinking 
I probably want to have like a mountain spring up in the area where I'm about to build this castle. And maybe the castle is like controlling the water source for this area, but then have it run cool. down through the town and maybe off towards the lake that's kind of at the center of everything. Because that's the only waterscape I've really worked with. And I think it might be a good way of breaking up all of the stone buildings that I've put together so far. I really uh, enjoy the the bright blue cutting through the city, uh, especially because mm. it gives you an opportunity to put a lot of green around because you think, well, all right, there's going to be vines growing somewhere. Like any patch of dirt this close to a river is going to have grass all over it, right? Like yeah, yeah. vines and all this kind of stuff. It gives you a good excuse to start putting in a lot of color. And I mean, the, the thick foliage makes your builds feel like they've been there a while, but then it also really helps with um the monotony of you know the the minecraft gray and brown problem that that a lot of people just kind of have to deal with because of if you're doing medieval stuff so many of the good blocks for that just are in that gray brown palette there yeah, are yeah. blocks outside of it but there's just a lot of it and you have to find ways to kind of break that up and i need to i need to figure out a way to add banners or get a little bit more color because i know i'm missing some some color in this build but like that's one of those things where like i might have to turn to a data pack or something a little bit more in line with what I want uh, to, to do that. But um, the thing that I find is most challenging for me, I don't have a lot of experience with like um, carts and stands and market stalls. And I see, I, I've been watching a bit of YouTube time-lapse of just like people I'm not familiar with that have just say, oh, here's a medieval city or here's like a, a, a um, African market or whatever it is. And using wool blocks and stripes and combined with banners or different things that kind of give you an idea of like, oh, this could be like a striped awning. And I just need to wrap my head around like what proportions those need to be. I tried to put a market stall in one of the North roads and I just couldn't figure it out without it looking like it was in the middle of the street. Sure. And yeah. So yeah. it could be just like my streets are too narrow right now. I maybe have to think about that with wider streets in the future, but like there's a few things that I'd like to try and do. The only success I've had with like awnings has been using a combination of quartz and smooth quartz because it looks like a white kind of like slab kind of material. Um, but when you get into the wool blocks and they're full blocks, I find it so challenging to make it look so, you know, to make it look light when it is really meter by meter blocks of wool. Yeah, yeah. And you have you have wool and you have carpet and there really isn't a much in between. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And the, I need to uh, relook at the data pack or the, sorry, the texture pack that um, removes the ash from unlit campfires because mm -hmm. i've been watching some youtube videos and I, I see a lot of people that have been putting like carpet on top of an unlit campfire as like a lattice work with like canvas over top of it mm -hmm. it's very effective but it doesn't work if you've got gray ash underneath all of yeah, the, yeah. All of the campfires opaque on the bottom texture yeah yeah, yeah. so I've, i gotta i've gotta look into a couple things like that i tried it from vanilla tweaks a while ago but it felt like it was lagging my my situation i don't know why yeah. Um, but maybe they've improved it because that was a couple of versions of Minecraft to go. So I, I might have to revisit it. Moving on into the news this week, Minecraft Java Edition 1.19.4 pre-release 1. This pre-release contains a new high contrast accessibility setting, some updates to the Create World tab visuals, a new execute subcommand, and improvements to startup performance and lots of bug fixes. For the remainder of the 1.19.4 cycle, you should see mostly bug fixes being fixed. Experimental 1.20 worlds created in the previous snapshot, that's 23W07A, can no longer be opened in this version. Changes in pre-release 1. The enchantment glint for items in the inventory has been made more visible. The default value for the glint strength setting has been reduced to 75%. Potions no longer have an enchantment glint to do the obscuring the color of the potions and the contents. Added a notification system for realms to tell you about important information about your realm. In accessibility, they've added a built-in resource pack that enhances the contrast of UI elements. The resource pack can be enabled in the accessibility options screen or manually in the resource pack screen. The resource pack only changes menus for now. Mojang will be looking into bringing it into gameplay UIs in the future. Updates to the Create New World screen. The appearance of the tab bar in the Create New World screen has been updated. Tabs have unique visual instead of being traditional buttons. The tabs now align to the center of the screen and the content has been lined to the top of the screen. Technical changes in pre-release one. The resource pack version is now 13. 
The enchantment glint now has two separate text texture files, enchantment glint entity and enchantment glint item. Changing the following game elements, item interact finish now has a vibration frequency of two instead of 14. There's a new damage type tag bypass cooldown. The damage types with this tag bypass the regular invincibility time after taking damage and new entity type tag fall damage immune. Entity types with this tag do not take fall damage. New commands under execute positioned over. The new execute subcommand for finding positions on top of a height map changes the height of the execution position to be on the top of a given height map. A height map is a record of the highest position in a column of blocks according to some criteria. The available options for those criteria are world surface, any non-air block, motion blocking, any motion blocking material, ignores flowers and grass, motion blocking, no leaves, any non-leaf blocking material, ocean floor, any non-fluid blocking material. Despite this being a snapshot for 119.4 pre-release, there are still some changes to experimental features for Minecraft 1.20. The brush crafting recipe now uses a feather, a copper ingot, and a stick in a vertical line. The sniffer spawn egg colours have been updated, and the recipe for the decorated pot made of all bricks can now be found in the recipe book. There are a couple of fixed bugs of note in 119.4 pre-release 1, but it's worth noting that the bug list includes fixes for Minecraft 119.4 and Minecraft 1.20 features. We'll let you refer to the Minecraft.net article linked in our show notes for the full list of bugs. In the meantime, there was also a Minecraft beta and preview. This is 1.19.70.24-25, depending on whether you're on beta or on preview. We'll link to that at feedback.minecraft.net in our show notes. And it adds, We highly value your feedback, so please keep sending us your thoughts on 1.20 features. Often we release new features to Java snapshots and Bedrock betas and previews the same week, but this is not always the best option since different features can be more or less time consuming to build in Java compared to Bedrock, and we do need to get feedback from you, our players, early, so we find both cool ideas and nasty bugs. Right now we're working on new tech to bring armor trims to Bedrock, and we're trimming the last things for the new Cherry Blossom biome, so you'll be able to try out both features on Bedrock soon, but not right away. The features and bug fixes in this beta and preview include players now stopping sneaking in powder snow after letting go of the sneak button that fixes a previous bug, and they've temporarily reverted changes to one and a half gap sneaking while they continue to improve the camera. The feature is going to be available in future previews and betas, so the Mojang team encourages you to please consider sending your feedback. In technical updates, the marketplace has fixed an error that could occur when clicking on Minecoin bundles. And that's about it for the Minecraft beta and preview, but we'll continue to bring those in future episodes. So the thing that stuck out for me in the snapshot, sorry, of the pre-release for 1.19.4 is the new changes to the enchantment glint, which I think are good. I think that um, adding the sliders and those controls were great. I think reducing the intensity of those sliders as a default is also a good move. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've removed the enchantment glint entirely from my resource pack because of, well, one, aesthetically, I didn't like it, but I also found that it was much easier to tell potions apart uh, without it. And the fact that that is now removed from them in your inventory, I think is fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a good change. It didn't always make sense that they looked enchanted to begin with because they don't have any interactions with an enchantment table. And I don't know right. that there are any other items in Minecraft in general that have that kind of glow aside from golden apples. And there it's to differentiate them from standard golden apples to enchanted golden apples, which are just like treasure the loot um so so something that the player makes in a brewing stand it's special enough that they're potions without them looking enchanted um however i've noticed a few folks in the community raising concerns about how similar the default colors look to each other now that we can see them a little bit better uh cubfan135 in particular has a tweet about the similarity between invisibility potions and others i think he's looking at slowness potions he's just got a full inventory of potions and says try and spot how many invisibility potions there are and it's quite difficult you have to be able to at least determine the difference between a range of greys in order to to tell the difference and at a glance i found it quite difficult looking in the creative inventory to identify which ones are invisibility slowness speed weakness or turtle master they're all in this range of gray some darker some lighter some a little bit cooler some a little bit warmer gray 
if you imagine the difference between like a regular stone and an andesite <laughs> that's about the difference between the invisibility and slowness potions and then the turtle master looks a little bit closer to a darker you know red-ish kind of like like the coral colors or something like that once dead coral happens but i i think maybe those are due for a revisit or maybe even just for the sake of colorblindness accessibility different textures for the different potion bottles is something that they might consider in future that's where my brain was going as just like a character designer and, and designer for animation years ago uh, i mean the first thing that you want to do is differentiate by silhouette you know color and and like overall read and like i i feel like while it wouldn't make a lot of sense that the um the bottle that you use the glass bottle is the same for all the potions um that it would suddenly have a different shape when you make a healing potion or a health potion versus an underwater breathing potion um i think it would just help visually to have different bottles have a different sprite and i've seen that in in modded and you just you kind of immediately forgive the fact that the glass bottle in your hand empty is you know the shape that it is default but then when you make a healing potion it's a heart shape when you make a water breathing potion it's more like a round kind of bubble shape mm -hmm. that kind of thing um and they did that because i think in the mod pack i was playing there was ex there was more potions than the default ones and so they wanted to add a bunch of different things right and, yeah um, um you know you're making a square bottle for like a strength potion something that has a corner on it i i think it would be cool i don't know how you explain it away in terms of thinking too deeply about the game but like they're magic i guess like you're making potions <laughs> that yeah. kind of heal you ma magically from inside or allow you to breathe underwater so i think it would be fine to just like oh the brewing stand has magically turned this into a different shape bottle and then when it's empty it turns into a glass bottle or or you add a way to smash them down or something. But like, I, I think it would be cool if they had different shapes as well as different colors. I think part of the problem is also that you've got splash potions which have a slightly different shape because the neck of the bottle is different. Yeah. And you have lingering potions which are the rounded ones that often get overlooked because people don't tend to use them much in survival gameplay. But if you look at them in the creative inventory, those are all rounded bottles and... It helps to understand them in terms of there being different categories of how you use the potion, but then adding all of the different shapes on top of that, with there being so many different possible uh, shapes for the different types of potions, I can see it getting away from them a little bit. <laughs> I can see it being a, a difficult task to then convey that actually this is a drinkable potion of turtle master as opposed to a lingering or splash potion of turtle master when the bottle is going to be such a you know a similar shape between all of those two so yeah it, it's it's a tricky problem i can understand that but hopefully at least the change to enchantment glow means that people will have an easier time differentiating between them and you can always hover over them with the mouse if <laughs> it gets too confusing for you yeah i like all the other changes i mean any change that you know makes the um ui look better the um for the menus looks more like a modern game to me i mean it, it feels more like a flow then I just have to click around randomly and try to remember where I was in the old world building menu. Mm -hmm. And now that I have they have it more organized and separated into the tabs that you can click back and forth between, like I, I really find it helpful when I've been looking at at people do their, you know, summary videos of this of the snapshot in the pre-release. I was like, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. And it's a subtle change. Like it just it's just a reorganization of existing data. And I think it's great. Yeah, I, I think it looks like modern game design does. Like, it, I, I find a lot of games that I pick up lately, if I'm looking at something that's been released in the last five years or so, a lot of the information gets organized by tabs like that. Maybe it's just, as a society, we're used to having browser tabs and, uh, like, mm -hmm. a, a lot of the the PC format or, like, um, you know, mobile apps and stuff will all be arranged like that for easy clicking. But it, it makes perfect sense, and I think it looks like a, a, a modern touch to it. Um, as usual, yeah, I'm, I'm in favor of more accessibility features as well. The high contrast mode seems like a, a good addition. Um, moving on to the 1.20 features as well, I like the new brush crafting recipe. More uses for copper are in demand and are always good, I think. Um, plus, there was a little bit of copper in the sprite for the brush initially, which I think made a lot of people assume that it was going to be crafted with copper by default. So um, I like the new the new recipe for that. And I'm glad that the decorated pot recipe now appears in the recipe book because when I was exploring the snapshot, having just come back and not really read up 
every detail on how some of this stuff worked, I didn't really know how to craft a decorated pot, and I ended up having to experiment a lot before I found the right combination of materials. Had I been a less experienced player, I might have just given up assuming that they were useless or that I didn't have the right materials to craft them into anything. Yeah, I, I'm on the same page. It, it all seems like, you know, a good a good step forward. I did find it strange that they included 1.20 updates in the pre-release for 1.19.4. I, I thought that once we hit pre-release stages, they would be just like pedal to the metal on 1.19.4 and just wait on the 1.20 changes for the next 1.20 snapshot, which would just be its own thing. And you it wouldn't be confused at all with anything coming in 19.4 because the snapshot would be labeled snapshot 1.20, right? Yeah, especially with experimental worlds from the previous snapshot not being able to be opened in this in this mm. pre-release. But either way, it's good that they're still developing stuff side by side. And to their credit, once again, the changelog was fairly easy to tell which features belonged to which, you know, which version. Um, so so you knew which parts of the changelog were talking about the experimental 1.20 features. So hopefully that continues and. Once we've got 119.4, I presume we're just going to be looking at 1.20 snapshots for the foreseeable future. Speaking of 1.20, we have a number of emails from our community this week on the Chunk Mail Dispenser, some of which focus on content of 1.20. If you'd like to email the show, the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com, or you can go to the spawnchunks.com and there's a contact page that you can use as well. It all goes to the same spot. Make sure that you put a, a good subject line and keep it short and sweet. Indicate to us whether you are a patron or not. That helps us pick out the patrons' emails and separate them from the other, other listeners. And uh, Johnny, if you want to, to take the first one. This one comes in from Shanosaurus, who is a landscape artist member of our Discord, and the subject is getting inspired with archaeology. Good morning, Johnny and Joel. I've been loving what Minecraft has been doing with the archaeology feature so far, but I do feel like at the moment more unique loot could be added. What if near the base of structures there were unique blocks hidden in suspicious sand or suspicious dirt that included unique types of chiseled sandstone or stone or other stone-like blocks? These could be anything from prismarine pillars to a misprinted block of chiseled sandstone. The mechanic here would be that after you've obtained one of these blocks, you are then allowed to craft it in the stone cutter. I think this would add an interesting extra dimension to archaeology, encouraging exploration while not forcing players to travel thousands of blocks just for a handful of decorative blocks. What are y'all's thoughts on this? Do you think archaeology could use more items or blocks to help encourage exploration and make every dig feel more unique? Shenosaurus had his misprinted chiseled sandstone taken away because it belongs in a museum. <laughs> I really like the sign off for this one. <laughs> Very good. Very well good, played. Yes. Well, well played. Uh, I think exploring for recipes would definitely entice me to go on an adventure more often, uh, especially that, you know, where the archaeology mechanic lends itself well to future additions. Like they have this mechanic coming into the game and right now there's just the pottery shards and then your odd bits of, you know, diamond or, or emerald or whatever. Gunpowder sometimes gun, as well. Yeah, gun, <laughs> I, I agree with you though. The gunpowder thing is weird. Um, I, I think it should be higher value stuff, but I think that by I've only collected pottery shards, which I can only do one thing with, right. Compared to uh, the exploration and search and retrieval of armor trim templates, where once I have a template, I can then craft and duplicate it and then use it multiple times, right? Whereas if I've got four pottery shards, that's it. I can, well, I mean, if I mix them up with bricks, I can make a couple of different pots. But like, if I only want to use the pottery shards I found, I've got four pottery shards, one pot, that's it. That's all I can do. Mm -hmm. And I like the idea of finding, you know, uh, a brick or, or some sort of, um, broken thing that you can then use to say, unlock the, the recipe in the recipe book that says, oh, you've un unlocked a different kind of chiseled sandstone. Now you can craft it in the um, stone cutter. And I, th I think that that makes a lot of sense. And it would definitely push me to be like, let's go thousands of blocks looking for this stuff uh, because it's going to unlock the ability for me to then use this block over and over and over again. I don't have to go looking through hundreds of desert temples if I want you know, a dozen or two dozen of these blocks to to flex and use in my in my builds. Yeah, I, I think adding more depth to archaeology seems kind of essential at this stage. I talked last week about it being like a cool system, but fairly bare bones in what it offers right now. 
Um, I also, I, I kind of like the idea of locking crafting recipes behind this type of discovery, because that's a mechanic that's been possible for adventure map reasons, I think, in, in Minecraft previously, whereas restricted recipes don't often happen in default survival Minecraft. Um, I like the concept of that, and it, it seems like it'd maybe trip a couple of players up if they'd found them in a previous world, and then they go back to their crafting tables in a new world, try and craft something, and then immediately find that they can't. I feel like that seems a little odd. Then again, what we're getting with the decorative pots is more or less like this. You know, <laughs> effectively, it's it's something that you can only craft after you've found it. You can't craft it infinitely, but then you get the idea that there are at least, you know, there's a, decorati a decorated pot recipe that you can make using bricks. And you can still use those as building blocks, as we discussed last week. So I think it'd be along the same lines if they added something like this. And I'm not sure if they'd want to keep new additions to archaeology in a similar vein to the decorated pots, or if they'd want to spin it off into something completely different and maybe something that would appeal to players of a different play style than just builders and decorators, you know? I think they could also take the mechanic of archaeology with the brush and apply it to more than just suspicious sand. And that might be a good way to kind of expand the loot table for archaeology and say like, okay, decorative pots, desert temples, desert wells, that's where you find those. But if you want to find a new block or if you want to find a new item, you've got to go to a different structure, you know, like keep it consistent so people can figure it out. But like find a jungle temple, you know, find an ocean monument. And, you know, suspicious gravel, suspicious dirt, I think they mentioned, um, Shonosaurus mentioned in their in their email. I think that has, I, I don't think it needs to be crammed into 1.20. But I think that the cool thing about archaeology is that it's open-ended as a mechanic as to what they could add to the loot table. If the thing that they want to add to Minecraft is something where they, they don't want to necessarily add like a new wood type, or they don't want to add another block like a, a stone block that they then have to figure out where to generate it in the world what if it's just something that you have to go and find because it no longer exists in the world that we have right now and you have to find it through the archaeology mechanic right yeah potentially like there's i i still feel like archaeologist needs a little a little more a little more than it currently has right now there's 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 so many good ideas out there for it, and it's just finding finding the right one. The one that still feels like Minecraft at the end of the day. Next email comes from Jeff Rothian, a community miner member of our community, sawing some logs. I recently reorganized my sorting system to add a space for bamboo wood and cherry wood using Pixel Rift's design, and I was rebuilding a barn this weekend with a variety of existing planks and logs as many different cuts. Sorry, in as many different cuts. So I have lumber on my mind. As I clumsily churned out steps and fences in groups of four, I was pining away, I see what you did there, uh, for something akin to a stone cutter to allow me to have more control over some crafting. With all this new lumber, I think it's high time for a table saw in Minecraft. Not only would this allow for odd number of items, but would also dispense with remembering recipes precisely. Maybe a table saw block could even just take any necessary sticks from the input of wood and output extra as scrap, quote unquote. Jeff Rothian was cut down by a zombie while trying to estimate how many stacks of four steps he needed for a roof. <laughs> oh yes, lumber on my mind, my favorite Ray Charles number. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I will also add that uh, while uh, Jeff Rothian is, is kind to credit me for the storage system. I really just put a bunch of Impulse SV storage filters in order. There's nothing super special about my my design for a storage system, especially compared to some of the more advanced ones I've seen lately. Um, but yeah, I think the the wood equivalent of the stone cutter is a, a fairly common um, request lately, and um, I'll definitely acknowledge that it would be a nice addition to vanilla. My main hope with be that it gives us something new at this point. And I, I really look at the stone cutter as an example. While it's immensely useful to the player for one-to-one -one stone crafting, it's also a villager workstation, which is enough of a justica justification for its existence that the fletching table exists, which has no utility to the player, except for, I don't know, maybe looking like a vaguely birch wood pallet block. And that's just a villager workstation. So it feels like if you add in a woodcutter at this stage, 
it should go along with a lumberjack villager profession, which I don't know if they're interested in adding. So I would like for there to be, if we end up with a, a you know, any kind of wood saw um, in, in line with the stonecutter idea, I feel like it needs to do something else as well. And maybe that's a little bit kind of unnecessary, but I, I, I do think it's, for it to be in line with some of the other features they've added recently, they would really have to give it some other kind of use. I agree. I think that, you know, if you're going to add a, a table saw block, I'm not exactly what that would look like and how that would differ from the stone cutter. But I mean, like maybe it's a full block height. You know, I, the example that I have in my brain is that there's a, a, a woodcut table that comes with the tables and chairs data pack that I have. That's how you make the tables and chairs. You put planks into this table and then you just pick the chair that you want that comes out of it. It works very similar to the stone cutter. Um, but it's a full block height. It looks like a combination between the crafting table and the stone cutter. And if you add a block like that, I agree. I think that adding a lumberjack profession to the game would make sense as a Canadian. I hope they have a plaid shirt, uh, <laughs> which would be hilarious. Um, but I also, you know, I think that some of those profession blocks, as you pointed out, fall short. Um, the, um, what's it, cartography table has a cool texture but it's not directional like a barrel for the fisherman the barrel is way more useful and i think that if you have a block with a saw on top of it like say a table saw and you also make it directional so players can have it face either north or or or, or west depending on how they want to um, have it situated in the world if they can place it up against a wall if they can place it on a ceiling then I think that opens up all kinds of creativity. You know, like what kind of robot could you make with saw arms or like just if you wanted to make a drilling machine that looked like it could cut through the world, not that it actually does it, but like, you know, if you have some sort of steampunk tunnel bore thing going on, I think uh, having the profession blocks to be more well-rounded, more usable creatively in builds, similar to what we were talking about earlier with me using smokers in a, in a, in a door, um, then I think that that, really justifies the addition of a new block like this in a you know on top of the fact that it would unlock those crafting recipes now i i kind of turn my nose up at people complaining about wood scrap waste one it's minecraft just cut down more trees like <laughs> I, can, I don't think you, you have can to worry about sticks them instantly yeah. yeah sticks fall from leaf blocks now like i i don't i hardly ever make sticks anymore i just have them all the time in a couple of different shulker boxes um mm -hmm. but yeah i i feel like the the need to calculate exactly how many stair blocks you you are going to make unless you're in a sky block world i don't really think this is a big issue um and i and wood scrap is a real thing like my stepfather's a carpenter like his workshop has always got scraps on the floor because when you're cutting down pieces you're always going to have these little bits around and they just get either recycled or you know thrown away or whatever and and i think that having you know one stair block come out of one plank block and you you lose that eighth or quarter of a of a of a block that's fine that's normal that's what happens when people make things um the thing that i think is more likely um is something like what i've done with the data pack that i created for the citadel which is wood crafting recipes for the stone cutter and i used uh crafting the destruction.ca we've talked about this site a number of times on the podcast we'll have a link in the show notes it's just a way to create a simple data pack recipe that allows you to put logs or planks into a stone cutter and get things out of it just like you would um, uh, uh, a, a table saw that you're proposing in, in the email. So it's possible in game now. I don't think it bends the rules so much that um, that it's it's breaking anything. I can still craft wood in the crafting table if I want to. I just don't because it's faster in, in the wood cutter because I don't have to make a shape. I can just plunk it in and, and use the stone cutter wood recipe for it. I think one of the also the the added benefits of the stone cutter that goes overlooked sometimes is the ability to multiply copper blocks when you turn it into cut copper and I I've noticed a couple of people are recently discovering that for the first time and I think it's it's one of those fun things that goes hidden about the stone cutter because you don't think of copper as stone so you're taking the name so literally that you don't think to use it for anything else so yeah I I like the idea of the uh the woodcutter uh, being roped into that at the same time. Moving on to our next email, uh, Classy Phantom has written in with the subject, Lending a Helping Sand. 
Dear Joel and Johnny, long-time listener of the podcast here, and I've especially been enjoying the recent guest speakers. One of the recurring discussions you two have had over the years seems to be a decent Minecrafty mechanic for renewable sand. While listening to last week's podcast on your discussion of archaeology, I was struck with inspiration. In the real world, sand comes from wind or water eroding larger rocks and mineral deposits. Knowing this, I believe the new archaeology pots could be an excellent way to collect new blocks of sand over time. For example, what if placing a pot underwater in a river biome accumulated layers of sand inside the pot, similar to the way cauldrons accumulate rainwater? Or simply placing the pot on the ground in a desert biome eventually fills the pot with sand because of the wind? Or what about placing a block of sand above dripstone, causing sand particles to drip down into pots, similar to how we regenerate lava with dripstone? The sand could then be obtained using the piggy bank mechanic, where smashing the pots with a tool drops the pottery shards or bricks and a number of sand blocks. Obviously, the pots themselves would need a small tweak to be able to visually indicate that they are full, but I feel this would be the perfect way to round out our archaeology. Would love to hear your thoughts. Classy Phantom drowned while trying to place hundreds of clay pots at the bottom of a river. I really like the idea of the sand and wind mechanic. It would have to fill up pretty quickly, though, for it to be a better solution than just running around a desert with a shovel. But I just, I like that idea. It just reminds me of, like, the establishing shots from, like, Indiana Jones or The Mummy, where you've just got, you know, a sandstorm happening and there's just pots that are filling up with sand. Like, those time-lapse videos that you see uh, as they show things, like, being slowly buried over time. And I I do, I think that's interesting. Uh, I I think it's... I, I want the pots to hold something. I know they probably won't because they've been talked about as decorative pots every time they've been mentioned. Uh, so I don't think they're going to be a, a container of any type of function in game, but I, I would love it to happen. Um, I, I would ditch, ditch, ditch the um, piggy bank style method uh, of getting sand out, though. I think that if it was up to me and that was a mechanic, for it to be viable against just going and mining sand, I think it would have to work more like a composter where you can have bone meal removed from the bottom of the composter when it happens with a hopper underneath it. I think that if you had a hopper underneath your your sand pot, that would be slowly siphoning out the sand as it filled up. I think that would, you know, work that or a, a hopper minecart traveling underneath them because I'm sure the technical community would have a field day um, just kind of setting something like that up. Then again, if it's just a hopper pulling stuff out as a sand block generates, I almost feel like that could be too simple compared to if you create something with the piggy bank method, there could be more interesting and innovative ways of solving that problem. And maybe if like if a piston crushes the decorated pot, so you know you have another way of breaking it in an automated fashion instead of only breaking it with player tools, if they become breakable instead of pushable in the same way that I think melons break up into slices when you push them, right. um, then there's yeah potential for you to set up a bunch of these things and they automatically get crushed when they're done, but then the player still has to come back and rebuild them afterwards. So there's a bit more player interaction. It can't be fully automated, but it saves you just leaving one pot and a hopper somewhere and then coming back to infinite sand. It feels like a high reward for fairly low input at that point. Yeah. Um, so so maybe a bit more balanced that way. Um, it might also create if it's just one sand block, which you know feels like the realistic thing for filling up a pot. You you know you you get roughly like a, a cubic meter of sand from a cubic meter pot. Uh, it might create sand a little bit slowly for my taste, considering how much I want renewable sand in larger quantities. Um, but if we got multiple sand blocks from a single pot, that might feel unrealistic. I'm not sure. Speaking of the pots, though, uh, we have some information via our Discord, hot off the presses. Thank you, Slice Lime, for posting this. Uh, Pre-release 2 for 119.4 was just released literally seconds ago, apparently. Um, so we have uh, a little bit more information there. And I wanted to, to highlight this because we've been talking about them as decorative pots, but they are decorated pots. So the outside is decorated, but it doesn't necessarily imply anything about whether or not they will have function in future. It's just trying to get the nomenclature right at this point for us. Um, but the, the reason they've been mentioned in this changelog article is that the neck of the decorated pot model has been updated because... It was Zed fighting with things like if you put a flower pot directly on top of it, um, the pot's neck will clip up into the next block space, and it was exactly the same width as a flower pot, and so that could 
yeah, potentially cause some texture clashes. And now that's been updated and the shape of the pots has been made slightly more complex. They basically just got a lip around the edge of the neck of the pot. And I think they look good. I think they look even closer, if anything, to what we saw at Minecraft Live initially, when the pots were like a clay pot that was being fired. Uh, they're still kind of blocky, but they have a bit more of that, like, pottery wheel kind of sculpted character to them. Um, so those look quite good, uh, based on the screenshot at the top of the article. Uh, the only other features mentioned here are the texture of pink petals having been updated and there are updated textures for the cherry door cherry sapling and cherry boat with chest uh one technical change to mob behavior is that only mobs in the dismount underwater entity tag will now force the rider to dismount when underwater um there's a bunch of fixed bugs in there as well but once again we'll let the uh the community check out the change log and read through that but we'll hopefully be able to go back and include a link in our show notes as well I really like the new shape of the pots. It looks even more like the pots from Minecraft Dungeons. And yeah, if if you can still put a flower pot on them in the same way you could before, then it's going to look even more fancy because then it's going to have like a little curlicue before the visual top of the pot, which would be your flower pot, right? Like it's going to have like a little, um, I'm not sure what they're called. When people turn wood or spin pottery, little rings or, or bulbous parts of the of the structure kind of go go in and out i don't know don't know what the technical term is for it but it makes it look more ornate and then of course have function because then you can put saplings in it you can put cactus in it you can put all kinds of things and have like a really really fancy big bottom to you know the um the top of a, of a plant yeah i like it i think it's a good change uh let's see what the community thinks of it and we'll probably be able to report back on that next week but um yeah as far as like the the sand renewable sand idea goes could be a neat way of making archaeology a much more desirable mechanic alternatively though the decorative pots uh, decorated pots sorry <laughs> i'm gonna try and start internalizing that um they can just be created out of clay bricks so it doesn't necessarily make archaeology more desirable as a feature it just makes the decorated pot more desirable as a feature and you if you can just create plain ones at home then there is less need to go out looking for the 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 archaeology ones yeah no that's that's true i mean and you you we run into the like if you're gonna get sand from sand then you end up with like suspicious sand and sandy sand and sandier sand and <laughs> I mean, we don't want we don't want like blackstone level length of of item names it's, <laughs> in, it's the, a, in the inventory it's a slippery slope or potentially a sand dune who knows <laughs> our fourth email today comes from surya neil playing solo together hi joel and johnny recently my friends have pointed out to me that even though we are on a multiplayer server i tend to distance myself from them and do my own thing while they work together on builds and bases I like the control I get when playing on my own. I never log back in to see my building palette be completely changed or something hideous or worse. How do you prefer to play on a server? And what might you recommend for someone like me to be more community oriented? Surreal Neil died alone, 1,024 blocks away from his friends. <laughs> that's possibly the saddest email sign off we've ever had to read. I'm sorry, but that's just tragic. I feel bad. Um, yeah maybe you respawned at spawn and everybody was there to to greet you um yeah I, I i kind of relate to this and this happens a lot with multiplayer servers especially when you're a builder i like space to build a large base and i tend to overestimate how much space i will actually fill but it always feels like if your plans expand in future you're not going to be treading on anyone's toes if you start your base really far away i think if anything it might even be aspirational for some people to start in the center of a large area and then slowly build outward to the point where your base can be seen from somebody else's area but of course that requires you doing a great deal of building and for long-term projects it can be a bit of a slog especially with the limited lifespan of some multiplayer servers with people liking to reset every time there's a, a major update or every year or so um so i i can appreciate how difficult that is for somebody who's maybe not got a lot of time to play and wants to work on a base but still wants to play with friends and feels kind of isolated from that and i think the solution there is community projects maybe with an agreed upon build palette or if you're comfortable building in a place that has no consistent build style 
um, then that's a good way to go. If you look at areas that you see players building on YouTube servers, um, like maybe shopping districts, minigame arenas, nether hubs, there is a way of building them with a consistent style. If you look at, say, the Hermitcraft nether hub this season, then that's all organized in a very specific way. It has a central hub, and then the corridors that branch off of that, you can decorate the individual tunnels that lead to people's bases, but the main central tunnels look like part of the main structure, and the stylistically they're very similar. Whereas their shopping district is a whole mishmash of, like, there's kind of pixel art statues and, like, medieval houses that contain shops and then giant shopping mall buildings and a whole different range of styles there are some that are more sculptural some that are more architectural and so i think as long as you have control over your own base community areas like that can be a really good exercise in letting go of the concerns you have about somebody building something hideous next to what you've built or whatever um you might also consider the possibility that other people can enhance your builds instead of destroying them and maybe teaming up with somebody else whose building ability you respect and who's more likely to be on the same wavelength with you in terms of what they want to build i think can be a, a really nice way of easing into a more community spirited activity i think the you know logging on to find things changed that's that's a communication breakdown on the server as far as you know boundaries and who's building what and when um, I think that can be helped by just talking to people more in, in a Discord server or on voice, you know, over over the Minecraft server, if that's possible. Um, that I think that'll help a lot in that sort of situation. Um, but something that you brought up about the Hermitcraft um, Nether Hub is a point that I wanted to make, which is that um, when you do creative builds, it's it's sometimes a good idea to at least appoint someone as like the quote unquote project lead. Yeah, right? the foreman like, or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and and it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, the the quote unquote best builder or whatever. It, it just could be like, well, maybe this is this person's area, you know, like um, I think I recently helped out Cosmic Dancer building a tunnel to one of Steven's projects, something that they decided to take on and they had a design in mind. It was just a lot of work. And so I kind of just took their design and repeated it down the tunnel and asked if they wanted any input and they said oh yeah you know what this this section isn't working like how do we go around this corner how would you handle this i can do the straightaways but the corner just messes me up and then my input goes in there and you know you kind of move on but i go into that not wanting to take the reins because it's not my project right i'm there to help not not run the show yeah um, so if you can establish that early on sometimes that will that will help um, i find something that that hinders some more community focused building in in the citadel for me because I play a lot and with only five or six members, three to four of whom are active and me being the by and away, the person that spends the most time on the server, I find that I've had people communicate to me that they don't feel comfortable coming and building something next to Westdale because I've spent two years working on this giant detailed town and they're like, I want to build like a little house, but it's going to feel really out of place. And so you end up kind of like without meaning to i've kind of pushed the boundaries of who wants to build next to me far away so that it's not in view you know mm -hmm. and i think that you can help that out by saying like, okay well if you want to come and build like a horse farm like well let's work and i'll show you my palette and i'll show you what i've been doing and i can help you or or we can work together on it but it does kind of sometimes um without any words being said you know push players farther away from you when you've got a big project that you are very for focused on and it and it's and it's taking up a lot of space because anybody that respects that wants to either ask you before they build nearby or are just be like well whatever i'm just not going to bother i'm gonna i've got something that i know is just so different than what they're doing i'm just going to make sure i do it somewhere else um, we all seem to have our own projects on the citadel i think that's kind of a natural gravitation with servers that don't reset because you have more time to take on bigger and bigger projects. And then it's a point of pride that you're doing it on your own, unless you all have a very, you know, um, unified vision, then working together on big projects can be, can be more challenging. However, you can do one-off stuff that aren't builds at all. Abba caving competitions, a bunch of people getting together to take down the dragon a few times, uh, any kind of arduous tasks that don't require any creative input, like digging out perimeters or digging long nether tunnels, 
Um, if someone's putting together a raceway and they just need a bunch of track digged up and placed, you know, that's, that's all, did I say digged up? I think I did. Uh, like just <laughs> all that kind of stuff. That's just like, you know, I need several thousand blocks of ice for a boat race, you know, track, like that just takes a lot of time. And if the person already has the outline done and all they need to do is just have help placing down blocks, you can jump on voice chat and hang out with people. We've done that before on the Citadel where people need things dug out. Uh, got it right that time. And it's just, it's one of those things that I think. You don't always have to be building something to help people in on the server or do things together. Something you brought up earlier, you know, like um, the bingo thing. I don't know whether that changes the server or whether that's a data pack that you can just add to the server temporarily, you know, like for a Christmas break and then remove it afterwards. Or do you, if you have to have a new server to do that on. But like those kind of competitions and games and things like that, that require... Uh, a separation of what your current project is from something unique uh, that's that's just going to happen. I mean, another thing, of course, that we are seeing a lot of lately is the um, the TCG on Hermitcraft. I mean, that's that's a huge project to to take part in. But if once it's there, then you can hang out with other players and go play, you know, little mini games, and then peace out and do your own thing. Yeah, and it's something that if you're less concerned with doing everything in survival, you could try and figure out a way of importing map art using a tool that's going to place everything using i don't know command blocks and stuff you can, you can do that stuff with some online tools and so you could create your own tcg thing a lot quicker if you're less concerned with everything being a purely survival server um and and then yeah like that that's been an enormous community draw for for hermitcraft and basically everybody now is participating in games and socializing a lot more just because there's something they can all all do together so yeah i i definitely echo the idea of playing mini games or setting up different situations where you can get involved with group activities without them necessarily having building as the focus even if that's the kind of thing you enjoy doing and pvp not might not be your thing i know it's not for me but i still find lots of different ways to participate in stuff without it just leading to who's the best at combat um, that is where we're going to wrap up this episode of the show. We're going to answer one more email in the render distance for our patrons. So if you're a patron, stay tuned for that. And if you would like to hear a little bit extra, of course, you can consider joining our community. But that's where we're going to leave this episode for today. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud as ever to be a listener-supported podcast. Once again, if you're getting some value out of the show, consider putting some value back in. You can do that at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. Pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. You can listen to the render distance, you can catch the live show recording every week, and we have our monthly Minecraft audio hangouts, the next of which will be coming up towards the end of March. We currently have 334 patrons, which is up two from last week. Thank you to the two of you for jumping on board. And special thanks go out to our content engineer patrons, Hunter555, Jumbo Sale, and Yitz for your support on this episode. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but a personal recommendation is by far the best way to share the podcast. Just poke a friend in the arm from a safe distance and say you can listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and even YouTube. Be sure to leave a rating or a review on your favorite platform. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. The RSS feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. And that's where you can listen to the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixlriffs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash where right now I'm focusing on Empire's SMP, but expect a few other things to pop up here and there. I stream three days a week on Twitch, where I mostly do behind-the-scenes work for my YouTube series, but occasionally I play Minecraft Bingo as well. And I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixlriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I'm doing online is at joelduggan.com. That includes links to my other podcast, The Citadel Cafe. We talked about Wakanda Forever on the latest episode. You can find that at thecitadelcafe.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream almost every day, mostly Minecraft as I push to finish Westill, but Lego on Fridays. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. And how much wood would a woodcutter cut if a woodcutter could cut wood? Mm -hmm.